The difference is. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Oh, wow. That's really crazy. Wow, we holy moly guacamole. I can hear myself. Yeah, we don't usually hear ourselves, do we? No, that. Well, hold on. You listen to yourself all the time on so videos. So, actually, first confession. Okay. This is a show about confessions, you know. It's called Talking Chimps Confessions. <laughs> okay, great. Mm-hmm. So, I did not re listen to the podcast that we did. Mm because I just have always done that with all my videos I've done, anything I do on Instagram or social media, I just do it. And it's a bit of a Gary V thing, like rather than like go, is that perfect or did I sound weird or do I not like that? Just put it out there and move on. Mm. And so you sent me a message saying, um, let me know if you want me to like chop up Mm -mm. the thing. And there's part of me that did, but I was like, I actually don't want to go back and listen to it. What's the hesitation? Would you over-criticize yourself? Yeah. I think get in that, your head? Yeah. I think I would judge myself for like, oh, why did I say that? Or why did I say it like that? But I also trust that I just said what I said at the time based on how I was feeling, my beliefs at that time, all of that. But I think that's a moment in time and then you go back and you're like, oh, like that, or that sounded weird or that sounded corny or that sounded whatever. Mm. As someone who is has to at some point, you, you, you have to spend, naturally, if you edit your own things until you get an editor, uh, you spend hundreds of hours, maybe thousands of hours with the amount of stuff I put out over years, looking at yourself, listening to yourself. Yeah. So you get sick of yourself, <laughs> right? You can get, but I think there's, like I've learned about myself that way as well. Like I've learned, you see little mannerisms, damn it, I said um like seven times there. Yeah. Well, like Tim Ferriss has picked up his own things. Do you remember? Yes, I was listening to that and he's like, oh, these are my like my go-to. What did he call them? Like ticks or Mm. your, yeah, that you're always like every time there's a pause, it's like a hey or an um or a mm. And he's like, I did that so many times in one episode. Mm. So I know that I should, but I just haven't. (laughs) It's like if you want to go there because you know you'll find things. Yeah, of course. But I think it's valuable. I think mm. like if you're acknowledging that, all right, I'm here to observe myself as well. Mm. And, uh, you know, otherwise how do you really know? You never really know what you sound like, what you what you look like, yeah. how you're being possibly perceived. Yeah. So I think it's part of my own journey that I need to go back and listen to it and just not be judgmental and just. But is it okay to judge yourself as well? I think there's the acceptance that if it's just things like, oh, how I sound or um, I think there's like the critique that could be really helpful. Like if I am saying um and are or Mm. I said something that I wasn't super clear, I could think about, oh, I could have said that better. I think there's like that sort of stuff that would be helpful. I I definitely find that a lot with myself. And one thing that I've – I do when I teach classes and I'll, I'll actually watch things back so I can clip it and put it out there mm. is that I'll use pauses a lot. My students will make fun of me because I'll like ask a question or I'll say something and I'll just pause. <laughs> like a like, pregnant or, pause. Or awkward, awkward silence. Right, but it comes so often. I do it on purpose because yeah. I want to give, you know when you're in a classroom setting, university setting, whatever setting where people uh, are teaching you something and they ask you a question or you want to say something but you feel like there's a, what do you call that? Like a self-judgment or it's a 
anxiousness. You want to ask something, but you don't. Yeah. You don't say the thing you really want to say. Ask the thing because you, you. Yeah, so you just wait there. <laughs> right? You freeze and you're fearful of judgment or looking whatever, silly, stupid, whatever. And so I've noticed off, if I give enough time, and I'm only like sometimes like 10, 20 seconds, I'll just walk around, take a sip of water, you know. Eventually, sometimes they'll jump in. Yeah. And they'll ask the question because it's like, it's almost like the space sometimes gives them permission to go in. Mm. I was listening to someone else recently and they were talking about that, like where you ask someone a question and they, they give their answer, but then intentionally to give them more space because usually people will expand on it. Right. Because if you just jump in, oh, okay. they might have like like wanted to say more, but they've kind of given you, oh, this is the summary. But if you give them a bit more space and they might go, oh, and and this and this. Like, yeah, a good thing to remember. Like right now. And now you start thinking about like the conversations <laughs> we're having right this moment. You overthink it. Yeah. But that's a great point because, and that's a good friend of mine kind of highlighted that to me uh, who's been on the podcast and talking about that exact point is that the art, it's an art of conversation. And I think what's, I said it a couple of times before, but it was so valuable. And I know it's weird for people to put these headphones on. Obviously I'm used to it, but what's so valuable, why I'd really recommend it for you or if anyone wants to start a podcast, even if you're doing it remotely, blocks out outside sound mm-hmm. and you are locked into your conversation really like nothing else. Yeah. It's like we're in a tunnel. Right. <laughs> and, and like we're paying attention to each other. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing because even if you go out to hang out with friends or family, there's always distractions or other people chiming in. You put these on and it's like for one, two, three hours, it's going to sound a bit strange, but you almost become one. You become like this symbiotic, like uh, a really good conversation is like, I don't know, going down a river, um, trying to avoid all the rocks. I just made that up. That's so poetic. You know, um, you know what they call me in the streets, <laughs> a poet. But recently, mm. like this conversation makes me think about recently, I went to this workshop and we were guided through all these def- different techniques and one of them was active listening. And it doesn't sound like anything fancy, but it was literally asking someone a question and then letting them tell their answer and as the person that was doing the active listening, we weren't able to add any commentary. We weren't able to add any like, oh, yeah, like I understand that or I've felt that. Acknowledgement. Yeah, or acknowledgement or even like, you know, when someone's telling you something, you're like, oh, yeah, I've been through that as well. So right. you're, you're adding in like your bits. But essentially mm-hmm. as an active listener, we just had to sit there, listen, kind of open body language. We could do like the head nods or the smiles or the something to say, yes, I'm hearing you and I'm listening to you. But to just purely give someone an opportunity to speak and it was such a nice reminder of, oh, yeah, like we often just chime in like little bits and there's times where you want the back and forth mm-hmm. and you want the banter. Mm-hmm. But when someone's maybe diving in like to something deeply, they're sharing something vulnerably or personally or then to actually give them the space. And it was quite, you know, like vulnerable being the person sharing because it was like, okay, someone's like seeing me and just Mm. giving me this space. But it was also nice to go, oh, I can actually, I am just sharing and they're giving me the space to share. 
So it was both powerful but also vulnerable as well. Hmm. I want to make sure I'm actively listening right now and giving <laughs> you space to speak again if you need to. I know it's it's funny because then you start to overthink <laughs> it because then you want you do want like the back and forth and there's right. definitely times that you want that. But um, oh. it was a nice reminder when someone's like really vulnerably sharing to just yeah let them share. Is often that you find people are you listening or are you waiting for your turn to speak mm. and I, I catch I catch myself oh, I don't, actually don't have it I usually bring a notepad or here to write down just little thoughts and, and questions that pop up because that's the great thing about a podcast is that it allows you that format to go back and forth like that and um, obviously forgot it but yeah are you, are you are you waiting for your turn to speak I think it's a big it's one of the most common mistakes we make through conversation and one of the big that's what I was gonna that's what it made me think of what you were saying you listen to an interview or a podcast or some conversation with 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 someone you want to listen to and one of the biggest things that annoy me is when the interviewer will ask a question a different question another question and they're just going for the soundbite the person responds, there is no acknowledgement or like they said something beautiful or something really profound. And it's like, oh, go pull that string, go mm. further. And they go to the next question and they ask another question that's completely different. There's no listening. It's just questions, mm. answer, question, answer. And it's one of the most ugliest forms of conversations that I hate. And there's one thing that actually uh, pushed me to do this is because I hated, I think conversations and podcasts can be done so much better. And I hated seeing that type of uh, just yuck conversation. Well, it's like an, an interview, but not a conversation. Exactly. It's like, okay, can you answer this? Can sure. you answer this? Can you answer this? Uh, yeah. But th even you see some interviews can be like, I think maybe the best interviews are like conversations in some ways or, or, or actually because we're both speaking here. Like I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm the host, right? But I'm giving myself permission to talk because I don't want to make this like an interview. Yeah. I never want to make it like an interview. Uh, I want to make it like a conversation, except for people like, you know, sometimes you get bigger guests on and you have a lot of questions and it will make it more like that type of format. So you, you auto-regulate it. But that's it. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. I have a few things I really want to share. I would love to hear them. You messaged me. You said you did. Yeah. Please start sharing. All right. And I'll um, do some active listening. All right. You can do some active with listening. Some, with some interrupting. But yeah, but, I'll, but feel free to chime in because okay. I, I feel like that's where more things come out. Um, yeah, as soon as you messaged me, I was like, oh, yeah, I would totally love to do this. And a big part of why I was like, well, of course, I like hanging out and we chat and it's just a free flow. Mm. Um, but also thinking about from when we last did the podcast – to now like so many things yeah have shifted and and changed so i thought it would be cool mm. because yeah just lifestyle and where i live and yeah and then some experiences have changed and one of the there's been many things but one of the big things that has created some change or at least started to create ripples of change i had been wanting to do ayahuasca for about 5 years or so it's really strange I promise, I don't know how I was feeling something. It was going somewhere like that. That's really interesting. Oh, that, wow. <laughs> that, that was wow. like, you, you hear that? Music. Whoa. 
My, I know you guys can hear that. that that's my 4 p.m. third meal alarm, a.k.a. the ayahuasca alert alarm. Wow. That's so cool. Wow. <laughs> right on cue. You know what we do? <laughs> no, God, please, oh, no. That's the wrong one. I clicked the wrong button. My bad. <laughs> Radio. Anytime you want to get crazy, the sound effects. you just tell me which one to click and we'll click them. Okay. What's the love heart one? So that's the one you do ayahuasca to? Yeah. So you let me know and we can go there. Okay. Cool. All right. So, sorry. That's totally fine. It's not my fault. Yeah. It's my fault. Um, yeah. So. When was this? So it happened, I did it a couple, maybe three months ago now. Um, and I'd been wanting to do it for about five or so years. I've like watched all the documentaries, listened to all the podcasts. Every person that I know that I've come in contact with that's done it, I always ask them questions and was just really curious about it and knew that I wanted to do it. But it was, I knew it was like a timing thing and that it just had to feel right. So before I left Melbourne, I had an opportunity to do it, but I'd just come out of a relationship, was processing all of that and I don't think I was in the right headspace to go and dive into like a psychedelic experience that is, you know, some people consider is like 10 years of therapy in one session. Mm. So then I was like, okay, it's not right. And then anyway, fast forward, moved to Byron or close to Byron, live closer to Lennox Head and surrounded myself. Well, I've met lots of people that are really like-minded. Everyone lives a very healthy, conscious life. They explore, you know, psychedelic substances but a lot of people just live a really healthy life everyone's out in nature really conscious of what they eat and just very similar to me and one of my good friends said oh I've just been on this ayahuasca experience and I know you want to do it I feel like this feels like a really safe place the lady who runs it was um, really nurturing and provided a space that I felt really safe and I think you would really connect with it and she already knew that I wanted to do it and I, and I really trust her. And so she put me in contact with this lady. There's no advertising for ayahuasca. So it's all through email and kind of code language and it's called meditation on email. <laughs> and wow, that's, so they're that conscious of like, you know, because obviously people yeah. can track emails. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, she put me in contact and as the person that refers, you also have to be willing to, yes, you'll be a support to this person when they go through the experience. Do you think they're like mentally ready to go through this experience? So she sort of had to vouch for me as well, which oh. is a big thing. And then, you know, then they send you all these videos to watch just to, to again, make sure like, are you ready to, to dive into this experience? Um, and everything was telling me, yes, I was nervous and excited. And for me, that's like the sweet spot, nervous, excited. It's out of my comfort zone a little, but it, I know I really want to do it. Mm. And that's how I feel with like most things. If, I, if I'm in that kind of place, then it's usually what feels right. Um, so I got to the, the day of the ayahuasca ceremony and I was super nervous and I kind of rocked up and I, I got there and I – we had to, not we had to, there was an option to sleep outside so you could bring yourself a tent or something or you could sleep in the, the ceremony space. It was like a 24-hour a experience but like there was a ceremony overnight um, 
and me being already a bit nervous about it and just ha- liking the idea of having my own space, I brought a, a swag. And so I walked in and I almost think I was a bit rude, not intentionally, but I was a bit nervous and just wanted to like get set up and get settled so then I could relax. And I walked in and was like, oh, are you Laura? Um, you know, where do I set up my tent? And ba- like I barely probably even said, you know, hi, how are you? I think I might have, but I think I was just a bit nervous. And and they're like, oh, just, you know, go set out your tent outside. And so I settled that up and like kind of settled my stuff and was like, okay, I'm here and it's all going to be okay. Um, and once I did all that, then people started rocking up and you start to chat to people. And it was a really beautiful experience just beforehand because there was all these people that have done ayahuasca before and they're like, oh, have you done it? And I said, no. And they're like, oh, you'll you'll be okay. And they kind of talked you through some of their experiences and almost like wanted to hold your hand and be like, okay, like you're in a, a safe space and, you know, you never know what's going to come up, but, you know, here you are. And almost like well done for like getting to this stage of like putting yourself into experience and experience where anything could come up, which could be, you know, good, bad all the things in between. Um, And then we get to the stage of like opening the ceremony and that was with like a sharing circle. So we literally went around the circle and it was like, um, what's your intention for being here and like what do you want to get out of um, this ceremony? And so we're going around the circle and even just sitting there, I was like, I'm so nervous, even just to share in front of people like why I'm here and, you know, some people were being really vulnerable and saying like, you know, I am really nervous about being here and, you know, even just talking makes me feel really nervous and it got to me and I was literally like my heart was beating and sweating and, and you know, I shared and I, I just said, you know, I'm, I'm here, I've been wanting to do this for about five years and I just really want to um, kind of unlock anything that's holding me back in any areas of my life and I you know I want to receive those messages so whatever it is like whatever is like kind of blocking me from moving forward I I want to yeah be open to receiving those messages and and I didn't share too much more but even after that I was like oh I can relax now I've like you know I've started the process of just like being here and and then everyone went around the circle and some people were crying already because it was you know, they were there to heal different things. Um, and then we had a little bit of an intermission and then they started the ceremony and they did all these, the the shaman, a female shaman. Um, she had then four other guides that were there to like help and support the ceremony. Um, and Can she, I pause for a second? Yeah, go. What time is it? So when we did the first part, the sharing circle, maybe that was about six o'clock. Is the sun still up? Yeah, so it's still light at um, about 6 p.m. And then did the sharing. Then we had a little bit of a break and then they started after dark. Where is this exactly? Or so, approximately? Yeah, in... Yeah. I got you. <laughs> in, in Byron, Byron vicinity. Beach, nature. Inland? Nature. So, so yeah, just slightly inland. And we're on someone's big, massive property. And we're, it's not even a temple. They kind of refer to it as like the temple space but literally it was this lady's house and she'd cleared out her living room and we're all seated on the ground. So you're indoors. Yeah, indoors. But, yeah, sort of, you know, you look outside and it's just green everywhere, but we are inside, yeah. Um, 
And some people are on cushions, some people are on meditation seats and all of that. All right. Thank you. I just wanted the setting. Yeah. And then so we're all sitting around kind of in a circle and then there's the shaman in, at like the front in the middle and then either side of her there's, yeah, there's four other guides. So we're kind of like they're kind of sitting in front and we're kind of sitting almost like in a semicircle okay. around. I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so they did this like traditional kind of acknowledgement of this plant medicine of the ayahuasca and like thank you to the spirits and thank you to mama ayahuasca and just did all this stuff that was really beautiful it was like acknowledging that this is like a powerful experience and thank you and and all of that and then it was sort of like the guidelines of how this is all going to work you know we're in in darkness and you know sometimes you might not be able to walk to the bathroom you may need to crawl to the bathroom Everyone has a bucket because some people will be purging and throwing up. Some people will cry. Some people sweat. Some people cough or hiccup or yawn. Like there's usually some sort of cathartic response. Did you come into it fasted? Did you think about that? Yes, they do tell you to, um, for the week beforehand, it's like not have spicy food or coffee or alcohol. Um, it's not fully fasted. It was to have just a light breakfast and then so by the time you've done the ceremony you've got not too much food in your something like light breakfast and if you want to have a small snack but then you know we're now six or like seven eight o'clock at night and you haven't eaten maybe since like morning or um just before lunchtime okay so not completely fasted um yeah, and they said you can also, like, you can put your hand up or call out for help whenever you need to. Um, and then it was also talking about the, the medicine. It was like, you know, the first round they give everyone one cup. You come up and you, you have the, the cup and you kind of do your own, like, intention or, like, gratitude message or whatever you want to do. It's, like, silent in your head. And then then you go and sit down and then you can have a second cup and I'm sitting there going, how do you know if you need a second cup or not? Mm. And so I put my hand up and said, you know, like, what's your guidelines? Like, if you've never done it before or, like, what's the guidelines? And she said, if you're in your head and you're thinking, should I have another cup? Yeah. Then you have another cup. <laughs> and it. I was like, okay, that's really clear to me. I got it. After how long, though? So, What's the metabolism of this compound? I don't know exactly, but I think part of it is, like, she's going to give everyone – a cup Mm -hmm. and then after that so any time after that so there were 17 people so it took a bit of time to go around so maybe it took at least half an hour to like um to go around and so then after that if you wanted another cup then you would like go up for a second cup and so we'd done one round and i'm sitting there and i'm not really feeling anything um i kind of waited a little bit and I'm like, nah, I'm questioning this, so I need to go up and get my second How cup. long did you wait? So there was like the – maybe it was been like 45 minutes from like when I first sure. – Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was feeling a little bit. I started to see some visuals and my first – like moving away from the microphone, <laughs> like veering over here. Um, I did start to see some visuals at this stage and it's quite – um, it's going to sound quite dark, but I saw these three. Pause. You took your second cup. No, so sorry. Just before the f- the second cup, I did start to see a few things. Okay. Okay. Please. Yeah. Um, what did you see? 
I saw these three black women and they had their throats slit. And I was like, well, that's pretty intense. And How vivid is this? Like this is pretty clear, like almost like a, a picture in front of my so eyes. This, and my how eyes different would it be from a dream? So your eyes are closed. Dream. How different would that be from a dream? Can, can you compare it, it? This was so vivid, like it literally, I, like I saw it. Almost like real life? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and this is before I'm fully feeling the effects as well. It was almost like just the start of it. Um, and as I saw this, like the message that I felt was like, I in some way, shape or form need to be a voice for people that don't have a voice. And I was like, Oh, that's a pretty strong message. Um, and it's not like the message comes through as like a, a voice or anything. It was like, I saw the visual and that's what like popped up, but it was, I was still pretty conscious at this stage. So it was kind of seeing it and that was my interpretation. Then the next image I saw was of this like kind of like tribal warrior, also black woman, and she looked really fierce and really powerful and really beautiful and it was like a message that only later on translated and it was like, oh, like feminine power is the message and like whatever that means. But that was, yeah, it was sort of that's what I took from that. And then I went and got my second cup and within like 10 or 15 minutes, it's hard to know time because you start to lose time. And then I was in a completely other world and it was like mind blowing. Where did you go? I went into this place where I was seeing the most like crazy things. It was like, I was seeing like almost what looked like neon lights, but in like geometric shapes. And in, um, I started to see what looked like these, all these ancestral patterns. So it was like I was seeing indigenous patterns. So it was like a black background, but then these kind of bright, and it wasn't like neon lights, like the clubhouse sign over there, but in a, I don't know, like something, it was like light that was illuminated from the black, like from the black background. Um, and later on I went and like researched and discovered pictures and I was like, yeah, that's what I saw. So almost like. There were pictures that represented accurately what you saw? It was pretty crazy to go, like I didn't see the exact thing, but I saw some things I'm like, oh, that's in the same, like similar vein to what I was seeing. Okay. And it just, like people that have had different psychedelic experiences have obviously tried to like draw things or paint things or recreate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the next kind of lot of messages that came through and it's not all going to be in order now because now it's just a whole lot of different things in my mind. You mean, meaning you can't remember it in order? Yeah, I think it'll kind of jump around a little it's bit. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the visuals were like I was literally on another planet um, and – I, I started to get like different kind of messages that come through. Now I am actually going to try and go in order. So part of the start of it was there was like kind of fluid movements and there was like a female body and some of this is very like personal and vulnerable, but I'm going to share. Um, and it what it seemed like it was, it was showing like the feminine body and almost like celebrating the feminine and the message that I felt and got is like, I need to tap into my feminine. 
because by nature I, I probably tap into the masculine more. It's like the masculine is like the doing and the achieving and the getting shit done. And even the way I teach yoga is like strength-based yoga and running a business can be, not always, but it can be like that masculine and I'm just going to do whereas the feminine is like the creativity and going through the getting into like a flow and in movement that might look more like water and like fluid and sensual and all of that but the way I tend to gravitate towards is is doing is like from that more masculine place and so this message was like you need to be in flow and you need to tap into your creativity and you need to like embrace your body and the feminine and and it was really interesting because it was like really clear and really visual and it also like really made sense to me because like the way I was living my life in Melbourne was like all right let's get this done and when am I running my next teacher training and run my business and just that's how I was doing things which worked and I think I learned a lot but then I've moved to Byron and it's like all right go and surf and be in nature and just sort of be in more of like a flow state at least from where I was um and then the like the next lot of messages that came through and there was also music being played at this stage so by them yeah so they were singing they were playing instruments and someone had said to me like the music is really powerful and I like music but I was like okay like how powerful can the music be but you're in an altered state of consciousness and then one of the guys started singing and he actually had quite a feminine feminine qualities. Like he was quite like a gentle, soft kind of guy. I actually think the shaman who was a female was a bit more neutral. Like she had like the feminine and the masculine kind of qualities, but he actually probably presented more as like a, a feminine man and, um, and not how he dressed, but just his nature. He was like kind of soft and gentle and he started singing and the words that came out was sort of like about being whole and being loved and being, you know, you are like whole as you are and your heart, like it was, it might even sound like cheesy and corny now, but it was all about just reminding you that you are, you are loved, you are lovable, you are whole, you're not broken, you are complete and like to be kind to yourself essentially and it came out, you know, very poetically, but it was like as soon as the music came on and those words were coming out, I just started bawling my eyes out. And it was just really clear. It was a reminder of like, oh, you've been really hard on yourself and you've been like giving yourself a hard time and not seeing yourself as whole and complete and not loving yourself fully. And um, and then it was like, oh, of course. It was like a reminder. It's like something that I knew, but I wasn't consciously thinking I'm giving myself a hard time. It was more like, oh, actually, yeah, over time I have just, you know, if I didn't get this bit of work done, oh, like, come on, like, why didn't you get it done? You're procrastinating or you're wasting time or, you know, why did you sleep in that day? You should have been up and being more productive. And there's a balance between, like, discipline, but then also just not acknowledging that maybe that sleep in was really good because then like you needed rest and so then you could be more productive later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like this reminder like, oh, yeah, you've been kind of just every day a little bit just like giving yourself a hard time. Um, and so it, like 
I teach yoga and I'm in the yoga world and there's a lot of talk about self-care and self-love and do all these things that are going to nurture yourself and love yourself. And I know it consciously, but this was like the first time I'm like, oh, this is like, I actually felt it. It was like, oh, you need to love yourself more. And it's, it's in the way that you speak to yourself. It's in the way that you like, you know, if you want to go surfing in the middle of the day, go, go surfing in the middle of the day and don't make yourself bad, like feel bad for it. It was, it was a reminder of like actually love yourself and let yourself do the things you want to. And it's not to like lie on the beach and do nothing all the time. Sure, if you want to do that for a period of time, do it. But to, to actually like let yourself do what feels right rather than be like, oh, I should do this or I should do this. Oh, well, you ate that piece of cake. So now like you have to not eat, you know, X, Y and Z. Mm. so yeah it was like a felt I was like oh I actually feel this it's not just a conscious thought that is a yeah there's so many strings to pull here that I want to pull um it reminds me it's like in this ever pursuit for constant progress right we can get stuck in a tunnel more, more, better, faster, bigger, stronger, all of that. I particularly resonate with this, as you can imagine, and I'm yeah. sure you know you do yeah. to an extent as well. Yeah. It's like I have to remind myself, like life is this balance between doing what you want to do and doing what you know you need to do mm. to tap into your potential and help those around you. But I keep coming to this thing where I used to really criticize myself for those things that you mentioned, the weak points. And I do recognize that they can be weak points. You can, cr- you can cave to a actual weakness in your character that you need to refine. Also, I think about, well, I've seen death and illness around me, my family, and I think about that. And I, I think about death a lot and I think about life. And I'm like, hmm. I want to do what I want to do. As like simple and strange as that is to say. Like totally I 100%. do what you want to do. Yeah. 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 But I don't know if you can resonate with this, but when I was in Melbourne, I thought I was living that life. So I was like I teach yoga, I love it, I run my own business. Do you get emotional there? I can't tell. I I I can just really resonate cuz okay. I know that like we have like like probably a similar view and I think yeah. potentially you're even at an, another level than me uh, with this. I'm a crazy person. I, I, oh, people don't know. Uh, Go ahead. I, I do have an insight. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, I'm like, I am living this balanced life. I teach yoga. I love what I do so I don't feel like I work. But I also had a studio and I would happily work six days a week And I wasn't working the whole time, but I had to make sure that things were running. I was teaching classes. I had to make sure that like the teachers were, you know, doing their part and, and just do all the things about like making sure everything is running and then planning my next teacher training on my next workshop and making sure I got back to that person's email or maybe I didn't. So then I felt bad about it. And then I was like, Oh, I should do that tomorrow or or whatever. And 
at the time I was like, oh, well, there's people doing their corporate nine to five that's not really nine to five. It's maybe like seven to eight or who knows what it is these days. And so I thought of myself as like, well, I don't do that. Like I don't do that kind of like job where I'm maybe don't love my job and I'm going to work and I come back and I feel really depleted. I'm doing something that I really love and I'm happy to work hard and it does fill me up. Mm. I think it was filling me up, but also I wasn't giving myself as much of that time to be like, oh, you can just like not do things or you can just go and surf for a couple of days. And <laughs> I, th- I think what moving has taught me and I've, I've probably gone the other way. So I've kind of slowed down a lot to then find like a new middle ground. And I'm kind of slowly like coming back to yep. the middle ground. I haven't like found it yet because life did just slow me down to, I think, teach me that. Um, but yeah, moving has reminded me that I actually want to work smarter, not harder so that I can like be surfing and I can have my teacher training running in the background because it's going to be like on demand and I will do some things in person and all of that. So I can still share what I'm passionate about, do what I love, help people, but I don't necessarily have to be like on demand personally the whole time because maybe that surfing fills up my cup so then I can go and inject more energy into people, into what I want to share and create as a yoga teacher, health practitioner and mm-hmm. and all of that. But it, it wasn't until moving that I realised, oh, I was still part of that hustle right. and would feel bad if I, you know, if I didn't do this or I didn't do my workout or I didn't do my yoga or my handstand training or why haven't I scheduled that, you know, workshop yet or why haven't I um, done this teacher training yet or why haven't I done x y and z and so yeah I think it's definitely a balance of like sure there's going to be things where you have to like and especially times where you might have that more intense time where you're like all right I'm going to like turn up the gear and I am going to work a bit harder and all of that but then also to give yourself that time that even if you love what you do but there's also all these other aspects of yourself yeah. Like I love yoga and teaching and all of that, but I also love surfing. I also like being out in nature and I also love like connecting with like-minded people doing different things. Mm-hmm. So it's like actually feed the other areas of your life. Do you well. feel like you were living a contradiction? I, I don't think, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's Is that what that, it sounded like that's what, maybe you wouldn't use that word, but perhaps it illuminated that experience, the ayahuasca experience, illuminated mm-hmm. that you said consciously you knew that you needed to nurture these other sides to yourself, but you weren't when you were in Melbourne yeah. and you moved away to Queensland, did this and you realized that? Maybe. I don't think I actually consciously knew when I was in Melbourne because I I thought I was living like, you know, when you love what you do, it's like you don't work a a day in your life kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But do you need to be working the whole time? Mm. And so, for example, like when I was in Melbourne, I would go surf once a week. I would do like my yoga or my my training, my handstand training, my strength training. And that was part of just, you know, looking after mind, body, health, all of that. But I, I definitely was sort of more on with like my work and, and didn't have as much of the conscious times off of like going, okay, I'm going to put this over here because I'd, you know, answer emails weirdly at like 10 o'clock at night or 
I just I'd work whenever it kind of fit in for me. I, d- I wasn't rigid with my structure, but I wasn't consciously taking that, like finding the balance, I think. So, but I, I didn't feel like I was stressed. I didn't feel like I was burning the candle at both ends until maybe the, the end because I was also You going. can move that. Thanks. <laughs> no, you can, like the whole thing. Oh, whoa. Like you can, okay. you can get crazy. <laughs> right. Sorry. Um, I, I knew at the end I was feeling a little bit tired and fatigued, but I think a lot of that was emotional because of a relationship breakdown. Sure. I was working a little bit harder right at the end, but for the majority of time I thought I had like a good balance. I do what I love. I'm, you know, I'm sharing things I enjoy. I like the people that I hang out with. A lot of the people that I socialized with were the people that also came to yoga, but I'd be teaching and then we'd have like a coffee after yoga and and that sort of thing. I was sort of, everything was wrapped up in a lot of my work, even though it didn't really feel like work. But I guess the, the biggest thing is what I noticed when I left and when I moved is that I was like consciously taking that time to like, it was nothing to do with yoga or work. I was having that like just checking out of those things and exploring other areas of my life. It's fun. Yeah. To explore and pull on the other curiosities and the other things that yeah. make you you. Like you are not just a teacher. You are not just the thing you do. Yes. That that essentially has been my big realisation. Oh, I could have just told you that. <laughs> <laughs> we could have just done this podcast I, I didn't ago. even need to do ayahuasca. <laughs> I am the ayahuasca. There was more to the ayahuasca. <laughs> of but, course. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, okay. Hmm. Okay. So you, you mentioned earlier about your self-talk the uh, the women with the slit throats, then the warrior woman, like these are symbols. Mm. Previously, when you were more critical of yourself, uh, what would what was this self talk look like that warranted that type of imagery? So I don't even know if it's relate like if those two not related. Yeah, I, and I don't know. This is like where it's like you do the ayahuasca and then there's like the integration time. Okay. And I'm, I'm in that phase of integration at the moment. And so I'm kind of putting pieces together. I, I think they're almost two different things. I think the images are a reminder to use my, my voice, my platform, my, my privilege as, you know, who I am in the world to maybe speak about certain things that maybe other people can't. Like what? And I and I'm still figuring this stuff out because I I don't know at this stage. But maybe it's to share share my knowledge, share information. Um, and the, look, the other part that I'm I'm starting to put the pieces together. I also saw like yeah, all this indigenous symbols pictures imagery come up and when there was like aztec symbols there was indigenous symbols and it was like all this stuff and every time it came up i just started crying and it was like oh wow this is it's so hard to even explain because none of it makes like conscious sense but it's like there was this ancestral trauma and it was like i was releasing some of the trauma 
Um, and so part of me after doing that, and it's been something that I've been thinking about for a while that I would like to in some way, shape or form, you know, help the Indigenous community in Australia and maybe that's what it is to empower, you know, Indigenous women or something. Um, and I haven't explored that further yet. Um, but I think that's part of the message is to help people that maybe are less um, fortunate than me um, in some way. Mm. Bringing movement, mindfulness, meditation, yoga to indigenous underprivileged communities teaching them about themselves through that practice that could be a thing Mm. and it's interesting that like in the northern rivers where i live you do see more awareness of indigenous culture like in melbourne i feel like i never really saw anything around and who knows if it was there beforehand or and i just didn't see it i'm not sure or was it not there? But I went for a walk in St Kilda the other day and I saw a sign that had some information about, like, the Indigenous culture and what land we were on. And I was like, I don't know whether that was there before, but I've just noticed it now. It may not have been there. Um, but where I live in the Northern Rivers, like there's, so, like, there's so much, like, awareness brought to the Indigenous culture. And I think living there is, like, a reminder that, yeah, I'm supposed to be in, involved in some way to give back to, yeah, people that have lost so much and, yeah, that they're now in an underprivileged situation and but there's, there's so many people that could potentially uplift them and empower them um, in different ways. So and you're still open to what exactly practically that could look like in the future? Yeah. I, I didn't, it may reveal itself? Yeah, I didn't necessarily get like a, a clear message and this is just based on how I feel. It's like I feel called to be, yeah, connected to Indigenous cultures and I've always like really resonated with like tribal things, tribal music and, um, yeah, and so I can just, I, it does feel like a right fit that I'm supposed to be in some way. Yeah, helping the indigenous culture, whether it's just here in Australia or you know potentially elsewhere. Now, to your knowledge, you don't have any ethnicity or uh, th- through that lineage. Do Not you? that I know of, but I really feel called to do my ancestral twenty three in May. Yeah, yeah, might be something there because I'm already Sri Lankan, Dutch, German, Maltese, Irish. Who knows what's else? How the is hell it? are you all those things? <laughs> <laughs> what are you a toucan? It's a whole mix. Goodness me. That's so, cool. Yeah. So, um, so I'll never remember because you just said like five things and already got yeah. forgot like three of them. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Like, um, okay. You saw these women. You saw these geometri- geometric, these neon. I think I just, imp- I just, I've heard people see geometric shapes. You didn't you know, say I, that. I, I, it was like geometric shapes, but it was also like I saw almost like in an indigenous painting it was like okay. flashed in these front patterns. of my eyes or like these Aztec symbols. Okay. But it was kind of lit up with this black. Um, you had an background. emotional response to that. Mm. What else did you see and experience during and after? Um, I also saw a symbol of an eagle um, and then later on it was sort of like that my – Something it kind of came up as a message that there's something to do with my business. There's like an eagle symbol, and then later on when I looked up um, the symbol of an eagle, it's a lot about transformation and wisdom and new beginnings and and all of that. I also got a message 
that I'm supposed to bring in some sort of vibrational medicine and I don't know what that is yet but I'm I spoke to someone about it and they're like oh there's this tuning fork thing where you use um this instrument on someone's like body but it's like then puts vibrations through their body and it's like you know we are energy we are vibrations and um that maybe I'm supposed to be bringing that in as like some sort of modality into the other things that I do Mm. um okay but yeah I think that something to experiment with yeah um but I think like the the big messages were about yeah being more in flow the other thing feminine energy feminine energy and another thing was also about joy and fun and pleasure it was like you need to tap into that and not feel bad about it it's like you need to like let yourself enjoy more fun and pleasure and and joy and that needs to be a big part of your life and it was interesting because I was already in that phase of like moving and stepping away from like I need to like do all of these things and actually maybe I can just enjoy life in a different way because it's not that I wasn't enjoying life before it was just had a different pace to it different feel to it it's tricky I find that tricky, mm. like to, to deliberately allow yourself the space to do things that make you feel joy. Mm. Like a part of me, it's like it's not that big a priority for me. I, like I don't, I don't really want it, but shit. I know in some ways a part of me needs it. Mm. But damn, it, it really depends what mode I think you're in mentally. Mm. Whether you're in a building mode, whether like a, like you're building something, whether you're in a a bridge mode between projects or tasks or endeavors, uh, whether you're in a reflection mode, like like life is seasons. Mm. I think that's represented by you living in Melbourne, traveling away, going to Queensland, Northern New South Wales, but close. So did I say Queensland? Oh, yeah, too. I Northern was like, I'll just leave it. Oh like, no, nah. correct me, my bad. <laughs> the the two rivers, yeah. Northern New South Wales. Okay. Yeah, it's like uh, I don't know. I just came off. I came off the back of listening to a podcast with Elon Musk. Mm. Right. So this is the ex- yeah. You know, this is like. I listened, it was Lex Friedman. I don't know if you heard of him. He's, I think he's arguably the best podcaster out right now and he will be one of the most popular. And he was interviewing Elon Musk for the third time and he asked him, where Elon, where do you get your strength to like conquer the fear of these incredibly complex and... Um, intimidating tasks to colonize Mars and build a reusable rocket and and, and uh, these electronic vehicles that are so incredibly uh, complex and like, where do you get all this strength from? And he paused for a while. He doesn't even think about it like that. Like he, did, he didn't even know how to answer the question. Mm. Like, where does he get this strength from? Like, he just, he just like he just said he just does it like he doesn't think about cynicism or optimism, like he just knows he has a task and project to do, and he does it. He almost sounded robotic in his answer. He sounded like a human machine robot, and I get inspired by that, and by people who just attack and they go 
And I know a guy like Elon isn't really thinking about joy. He has a kid. Sure, he experiences joy through his child in some way. But after Orphic education is complete, I can't help but think there's something else. There's something bigger. There's something better. I know in me, and maybe if I did ayahuasca, I would maybe be illuminated even more to me. And I can't help but think if you want to achieve and do those things that for a time being, I don't know if there's much space for joy and fun outside of the actual craft, the doing of the thing, which can give you joy and fun in some ways, but the the purpose isn't joy and fun. And so I teeter on this edge between just going and doing And what my relationship helps me see is a reflection of that, okay, I can experience joy and it's okay to, and you're giving yourself permission to. So I I flip back and forth. I don't have like a, sometimes I just, you want to do so much and you know you have, like you would waste your life if you didn't actualize the potential that you have inside of you. Like, I feel like I would regret and maybe you would regret if you didn't like pull that string that was like really tugging on your brain and heart. And I don't, I don't know how joy sometimes fits in there when the ultimate mission is just to keep going and keep doing no matter what. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely hear all of that and there was a time in my life and it wasn't that long ago where I felt like I know what I want and I'm going after it and it was so clear and it was so like these are the things I want to do and then I end up doing a lot of them and it was weird I like you know one of my big goals was to run an international yoga teacher training and I and I did that and then COVID and all the things happened and so that changed my trajectory of like you know I wanted to travel and run you know international teacher trainings and and all of that and when I moved it kind of gave me an opportunity to kind of like slow down and take stock and it's been a little bit uncomfortable as much as it's been amazing because I do feel like I have a goal and a mission and I do want to live to my fullest potential and I do Mm -hmm. want to have an impact and I do want to share and I do, you know, want to have an empire of my own in some way, shape or form. And so to go from someone who felt like, okay, I can see it all, like I, I, I know exactly where I'm going and then things took a bit of a turn and I kind of embraced that but then I moved and I was like, oh, I actually need to like slow down and reset and even just mostly reset with myself. Mm. Like, and so it's been a big like personal journey and I think there was a time there that I was like trying to push like okay I've got to like get my online business happening more and what I was doing is like I was kind of trying to do it and I was trying to force myself to do it and feeling bad when I didn't do it and I actually had to just go like all right like just use this time as like reflection time this is your time to like reassess where are you going and go and enjoy the surfing and go and enjoy you know, this part of your life 
and I had a conversation with someone and he's like, this might just be a short period of yeah. time. So like use this time now. That's true. Where there isn't yep. a particular thing that like has to be done at this moment. He's like this time you may never have to just like be free and like go and do all the things. It's true. If you do, because I know that I, I have a big mission and I right. want to, I right. want to do it. Uh-huh. Like, cause that's still like, it's like slowly bubbling up again, ready to like go. But I think it's actually been really important to like, let's just fill up my cup in all the different ways. Okay. Um, and I totally resonate with you, but I have, I, I didn't really embrace that until I actually did the filling up of my cup and like just reassess like me and like, and all things related to me, because then how I am with myself is then going to translate to how I share and how I show up as a teacher, a leader or whatever in the world. Um, so it, I think it's been really powerful. It was definitely a bit uncomfortable because I was like, I'm not putting things out there and I'm not achieving mm. things and I'm not, what am I, like, you know, I was still doing little bits of teaching and sharing, but not to the level that I'd previously done. Your so, space. Yeah. So I was battling with it for a bit because I was like, this is, un- this is new, this is unfamiliar and it's all not super clear um, but it's now given me time to go, like, how do I actually want to move forward rather than just always, like, going, trying to go forward, but actually go, like, this is time to, like, slow down, reassess, reset, like you said, the seasons. Yeah. So this has been, like, the reflection and the filling up my cup to then, like, go, all right, this is, like, a new lifestyle. Like, I live in a new place. I have a new lifestyle. I now want to take that new into a new vision and, like, move forward because – like if I was just like, okay, take Melbourne, this is what I was doing in Melbourne and just go, all right. But like a lot of things have changed personally and because as you know, as like a teacher, a coach, like you share what you're doing for yourself, you share what's helped you, what you've learned and what you value. So it's like I need to take that and now continue the sharing, but it looks a little different. Yeah, comes in a different form. Mm. I didn't realise that we're actually in a pretty similar space. Mm. Because after selling Orphic, I have been in this space Mm. where it's given me the opportunity to have space, experience, like what your friend said. I think that's like a very good point. So you may not get this time again in a long time because you might get then addicted to something else and you just get obsessed with the next thing. This is a period of time, absolutely. It's not going to last maybe long or forever, of course. So this is a time to have more dynamic flexibility to go with the flow of the day, of the week, of the current time, of the season, experience more more joy, more of what you want to do or more of where your curiosity chases you. Uh, yeah, pulls you. Hmm. That's definitely where I feel. I, I resonate. I feel. Mm. I feel like I'm in a similar position because dozens of hours of time. And it's interesting. It's not just the time you put towards projects. I didn't realize how much mental space it took up. Mm. Like you're planning, you're thinking, you're pondering. Late at night, when you wake up. Yeah, because it's even just thinking about like, oh, what's the next thing I'm doing, or what's like, where is this business going or what am I putting my energy into even if it's not like the physically showing up in the gym or showing up in the office like it's it's your baby you're always Mm -hmm. like building it here before it comes out that's great that's great yeah we're always building it mentally before actually physically and when you take away something 
When you remove something, it could be a relationship, it could be a business, it could be a friend, a family. When you remove something, it leaves space for other things. As I, I, it, to me, it's akin to a death, a death of sorts. Mm. And what comes after death? Rebirth. That's right. I think that needs a sound effect. Oh, which one? <laughs> Whichever one. Go oh. for it. Bang. Bang. I get money. 50 Cent. Shout out to 50 Cent. 50, if you're listening, um, I have a podcast available uh, slot next week for you to come on. Curtis, just in case. Um, so, yeah, space, joy. Mm. That's what it's. And you got to sit with it. You got to sit with the discomfort. Yeah, and that's not always comfortable. Mm. What else? Is there anything else from this experience that you wanted to mention that you realized or saw or experienced? Um, it was interesting because a lot of people had said to me, like, ayahuasca can be really hard. It can be really challenging. It can be really confronting. Um, but also I had heard that it can be really amazing and really beautiful and all of that. And I left that experience going I thought like ayahuasca was like a one-time thing. You go to ayahuasca, you get all these messages, cool, now I'm going to bring that into my life and and you're good. And for some people it could be that. I had an experience that was actually, even though there was some dark things that I shared before, but it was, you know, there was the stuff about joy and pleasure and femininity and flow and even though I was crying that I wasn't loving myself more, it was like, it was like a reminder and it wasn't bad. It was actually like a nice message. And, you know, there was the ancestral trauma stuff and that was sad, but it was also like this, like uh, maybe a reminder to be connected to Indigenous cultures. So I left there feeling like I've been gifted this like beautiful experience and it's shown me several different things and that this was actually just the start. So... The interesting thing walking away was like, oh, wow, I've got like I've saw a lot and I, I learned a lot is that I need to give myself time to integrate. So it's been three months and I feel like there's little things that like I'll listen to a podcast and it would mention something and it happened the other day and I was like, oh, that's what that meant. Like I'm it's weird. Like the integration has, has been really cool. Like different things are popping up at different stages and it's kind of letting things land like the feminine power message I got like I didn't really know what that you know that female character of like a you know strong fierce woman was about because it's you know it doesn't come with like a this is what this means and then I picked up this book and the book was called fuck like a goddess but it was like it's a strong title it is a strong title which could be polarizing for people and initially I was like I don't know do I want this book do and I want to fuck like a goddess? Let me think about that. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. You can't yeah. go back once you go there. That's right. Like Only well, a certain type of men can handle that. <laughs> exactly, which that, that, that cuts down the men to very few. <laughs> very few. Like Zeus, Thor, <laughs> um, Superman. That's all I want. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but then at the bottom of this book title, it was like, tap into your feminine power and I was like oh that's what this message was it was about feminine power it's like yes I can 
you know, run my business and I can do all of these things, but it doesn't need to be from a masculine, like mm. just go and do, but it can be from like this feminine and creativity and go in it, like be more fluid with it. Um, and yeah, it was like, it was when I saw that book that it was like, ah, oh. and it's weird. Like a lot of those things are happening. Like things I saw, I'm like, Oh, that's what that was. So it, a lot of people have talked about the integration period that you need to let these things sink in and then you need to think about how you're going to action these things. But um, it's interesting then going through it yourself and actually feeling different messages land at different stages. Um, so ultimately I feel like I'm going to go through and do ayahuasca at least a few more times mm-hmm. because I think it peels back layers and... Um, yeah, I found it really, a really powerful experience, but it's certainly been like a yeah, like a personal journey. It's like how do you unlock these things within yourself so that you can keep showing up as the best version of yourself? Um, and I think previously I always wanted to show up as the best version of myself, but it was maybe from a different um, aspect. It was less of like, I don't know, can I love myself more and can I treat myself more and can I like really like – tune in and listen into what is really right and I thought I was um but now it's just kind of like highlighting things in a different way you speak about feminine energy Mm -hmm. like like a goddess what does it mean to be a woman what is a woman to you I guess that's a really big question and I think part of what I'm learning is it's like for and I can I guess I can only just speak my, for myself like I grew up as someone who didn't necessarily speak my opinions and it's still a work in progress it's like I would happily sit on the fence and I didn't want to be involved in anything that was confronting or confrontational is probably the word so I I had parents that used to fight and so I saw them like fighting when we were younger and that was not like, not something that you want to see. And so then I've grown up and not wanted to like say the wrong thing because I didn't want that to be something that turned into a fight, whether it was in a relationship or with um, in friendship. So I would happily be Switzerland and sit on the fence and just I'm, you know, I'm easygoing, I'll go with the flow as in like I won't have my opinion or I won't share what I really think or feel or I won't have that uncomfortable conversation. And I think this is a big thing for women is where we're kind of like um, and I was listening to a podcast and I was kind of talking about these things that like oh, like it, that message of like, oh, yeah, like I I don't mind, like you decide or I'm easy, like, you know, whatever you want to do, like rather than being like, oh, this is what I want and this is what I'm doing because then you can be seen as the person that, I don't know, is too upfront or too opinionated or all of those things that like a lot of women might hold back what they're thinking and feeling because they're just, you know, they want to not disrupt anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me what I'm realising is that like when you don't say what you want and what you feel and what you think and what you need and what you value, then you have to sit in this place where you're like, oh, well, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good, whether it is in a, a friendship or a relationship or a business or 
Um, for example, like I had staff members and there was a few staff members I had when I had my studio that just didn't really align with my values. But I was like, they're, they're my staff members. And do I just, you know, like keep them on as my staff members because it's probably easier just to like, you know, there's a few things we don't align with or do I have the uncomfortable conversations and let them go because that no longer aligns with me. Like, you know, I'm not a man and I don't know this, but it seems like guys can like have an uncomfortable conversation and like move on a little quicker. Do you know why this is? No, share. There's... Be careful about it. <laughs> I know, it's, it's all sensitive topics. The words are important. Yeah. Words are very important. And... You want to think about things before you speak about them. I was thinking of, I was pausing on it. It seems time now. Well, roles between males and females appear to be quite clearly defined through thousands and thousands of years before the last, you know, one, two hundred years. You know, let's, I'll use the analogy of the hunter-gatherer. You know, men would do hunting, typically, Women would do gathering, nurturing, uh, very important roles in both sides, just to paint a simple picture to begin with. And then in the last one, 200 years, particularly last 50 years, we, we've seen this revolution of sorts, this, this, this big change and shift and in individualism where through the Western world where the individual can do and be essentially whatever they want, you know, freedom, We've never been technically more free. And so that has its beautiful components to it. But what we quickly forget is that this monkey machinery, this chimp mind of ours, has been adapted to millions of years of evolution, particularly through those behaviors all the way from chimps to bipedal hominids and so on and so forth till we are here today. And so when we talk about what, you know, women typically being more submissive, maybe, mm. some people would say. Male, you gave the example of like, oh, I wonder how this would be for a male to just, you know, like fire my employees, Right. There's something called the big five personality traits. Have you, have you heard of them? Mm. Great. So then you you would already, you kind of know the answer already. Uh, Jordan, Peterson, Jordan Peterson has been very famous for making, popularizing this, but they're like fundamental psychological uh, traits of all human beings. One is agreeableness and disagreeableness. And on average, we see that women tend to be more agreeable than men on average. There are men and women on the entire scale. You can have very disagreeable women and very agreeable women. However, on average, agreeableness is a trait that skews higher, measurably, like decently, for women than men. Therefore, it makes logical sense if you did your big five test and you saw where you sit, you might be, I don't know, in the 70th percentile of agreeableness, right? Uh, I did this. I'd recommend doing it if you're in a relationship because you can start to see and problem solve 
where you may work well or not work well together. And so to me, part of that answer is simply character and personality and where you sit on that spectrum. And that's to me, that's okay. I don't think just because societal standards and norms are changing means you have to become that. You can do and be whatever you want, but you can also allow yourself to align with perhaps the natural tendencies and uh, values and personality traits and even traditions over thousands of years that have gone on. I think that's okay. And I'll leave it there. I'll get off the little pedestal. Okay. All I'm going to say about that is, is it things that, is that the case because it's conditioned? Like, is that what we've been conditioned to just agree and like, okay, yes, that's okay. Um, or is that like an innate, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, is it like a Genetic? primal oh. um, response? Like, is that like naturally innate how we are or is this like societal conditioning that that's how women have become and you don't have to necessarily answer it but that's a good question i think some maybe if we had an evolutionary biologist in here they could allude to that but i'm sure it's good to be able to argue both sides if we could entertain both sides on one side there has been well like is like the woman has been the housewife, the man has been the worker, right? Traditionally, like stereotype on average, right? Particularly like in the early 1900s during war times, like that was like you see like classic newspapers and photos and things like that um, and advertisements. It's very interesting to see. And so that would have been enforced and encouraged and just continually done, you know, kings and queens during, you know, d- during... Roman empires during, man, it can keep going. That's still potentially like Like conditioning. Yeah. But then where does that begin? I don't know. So that's why I use the word like innate or primal, like back before all of those things, like in a hunter-gatherer kind of setting, you know, was the female still that agreeable female? Oh, like from chimpanzees? Well, yeah, possibly. Or like... so when we look at, like when we look at, um, behavior, so there's differences, bonobos, uh, females, um, it's swapped. Females are the dominant ones. Males are submissive, right? <laughs> it's, well, yeah, it's serious. So it's, it's, it's the opposite, right? So ladies, you, you can be a bonobo, right? And, and like bonobos, females, dominant, males, submissive. Um, women, uh, they're one of the only uh, species to have um, bisexual Relations, so they will. The females will have intercourse with the females, and then the males will they'll they'll get involved as well. But the males have been often observed just observing from afar, like being quite submissive in that aspect. Chimpanzees, on the other hand, which we have a closer lineage to, flipped. Uh, males being very territorial, very aggressive. Um, where the opposite sex dynamics are present. And so it, but then it's like, why did that happen? Because that's observed through 
just behavior of animals. You know, you can watch David Attenborough mm-hmm. documentary. You can you can read about chimpanzees, and you can see these tendencies between species. So, it was called talking chimps, right? It's called yeah. talking so chimps for a reason, <laughs> because what is it? We share about ninety eight percent of of um, DNA with chimps as humans. Okay. I wanted to remind us that, guys, we're like, it's been a long time since we were chimps. But we're still pretty much but chimps. Like we're, we're pretty primal. Like, we're pretty, <laughs> like if we take a strip it all away, all yeah. of this fancy stuff, mm. and we just had to survive, we all just enter gangs and tribes and just defend our territory and survive. And so, to me, you take it all the way back to chimps, where we evolve from, then society creates customs and cultures and norms around these tendencies that enforce it. But in the last 50 years, change, big change. It's like, what is a woman? What is a man? What are our roles? So a lot of stuff that I've listened to that kind of, takes a little bit of the masculine well, like looks at the man and woman, but then kind of goes actually right, rather than looking at like a man and a woman, like mm-hmm. look at the qualities of the masculine and, and the feminine. And, and this sort of helped me understand maybe how it works in a relationship or even just the dynamics just between people is like the masculine is by nature, like more there to be like the grounding and the the protector and to be really like present and a, another masculine quality which also helped me really understand men is they they want like stillness and nothingness and that's also why they the whole like man cave thing is because they they can which is kind of what we're sitting in yeah we're in the masculine man <laughs> cave but is they they like to be in that like the the stillness, the quiet time, the, yeah, like to have that like space and time is like a very masculine trait and quality. So they say even meditation could be considered more of like, like tapping into more of the masculine because it is about like stillness and quietness and being your own, your own man cave, I guess. Hmm. Um, Whereas the feminine is about creative, creativity and flow and even emotion and passion and almost if you were to think about it as like movement that feminine is more like this and the masculine is more like this like we're you know like solid and grounded and like the structure and isn't that beautiful yeah because they complement each other so beautifully totally so it's like let the woman be free and feminine and a bit crazy and Uh like they talk about women being crazy but it is actually like to be in your feminine is to let your emotions like ride your emotions ride the waves and Mm -hmm. and that's also where like people's creativity comes out is through like feminine energy and sexual energy is like that's the feminine and whereas the masculine is that yeah, the more grounded, the more like structure, solid, presence, all of that. Um, and so even when you asked about like what is being a woman, mm-hmm. like almost now I relate it to like the masculine and feminine qualities. And like technically we both have masculine and feminine qualities. Yes. But if I was to be in, more in my masculine, which is what I was, like more in my masculine then I'm not tapping into that sort of like the femininity and creativity and being in flow and 
kind of letting my emotions like come out in different ways. Um, and so then that's going to impact like my different relationships and whatever they look like and vice versa. Like a, a man that's more in his feminine is not going to have those maybe be as grounded and be as present and, and all of that. And, you know, by nature we might be more feminine or more masculine whether we're, you know, a man or a woman. Um, but, yeah, for me I've been called to like tap more right. into – Because you've spent that. a lot of time in more of that masculine dominant Yeah, and so maybe space. it's to find balance or maybe it's to be more – Right. Yeah, more in the feminine. And, and, and to, like to me, like that's fine. That's okay. Yeah, like I, 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 I celebrate that in, in, in many ways. Uh, I don't know. It just, I don't care. There's no judgment. I don't care what people do. Right? I really don't. But to me, like that feels like instinctually, like naturally, I'm going to be careful about that word because nothing is natural. Anything that's possible is natural. Um, as Yuval Noah Harari, have you read the book Sapiens? No, it's on my list. And I Did we talk about that last time? Possibly. Girl, it's been seven months. <laughs> I'll be doing ayahuasca. <laughs> Give me a break. I have, an, tripping. I have an audible collection <laughs> that like is this big. And then I've also got the physical books that I'm reading. And okay. Anyway. Well, if you prefer, I'm just actually better release a uh, book summaries on Sapiens. I'm doing each chapter because it's a very, very profound book to me. And that's where they talk about a lot of this stuff as well. Not so much masculinity and femininity, but evolution. Mm. Um, and so uh, to me, that one's pretty difficult to rebut because well depends how far back you go but the um the observation at least currently that we can do of chimpanzees is very interesting from a behavioral perspective it's like oh we evolved from them cool could explain some stuff now some stuff um so instinctually if 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 one is to uh, agree or, or observe and see that lineage and see the commonalities it makes sense why maybe you would integrate back into more of that feminine um, energy or virtues versus just constantly living potentially in in the masculine because it's uh, it's sexy going to get you money. I don't know. It both can get you money. I don't know. It's, just, it's sexy. It's like, it's where this world is. Work hard, hustle, get your money. Mm-hmm. You don't need no man type thing, right? Like exactly. that's sexy. But is that really what you want? Is that, and if it is cool, but ask yourself that, or are we just tricking ourselves as well? Mm. So yeah, these are my thoughts. Totally. I thought I, I didn't even really resonate with being in my masculine as as maybe as much as I was until I moved. And again, it was just like reminders of like, yeah, less about hustle and being like this and to be more in flow. And, and maybe for me, it's about going into the feminine more to then find balance where I can sure. have both. I can have this. Yeah. This balance. Yeah. And, you know, you know, guys that are really in their masculine probably also need to, like, tap into their feminine sure. and tap into their ability to, like, you know, talk about their emotions and feel different things and get into flow but, but also, you know, know how to come back to their masculine. And, right. 
Mm-hmm. When you messaged me and you said you had some things on your mind, some lessons, mm-hmm. were there any other lessons in the last seven months that were profound to you? I think there were the, the key things about, yeah, the, the lifestyle that I was living was when I shifted it, yeah, it presented as like, oh, actually I was living like this and, and now kind of getting into more of like a flow was about really about giving myself rest that I thought I was having. Um, and so that was like, you know, one of the big lessons in ayahuasca. And I think the other thing was just that reminder, which I've seen in many different you know, times in my life when I was in Melbourne, when I had a studio and even like how I met you is when you're aligned with yourself, when you're doing what aligns with you, whatever that is, you meet your people. Um, And so since moving, I, you know, teach yoga in Lennox, I surf in Byron Bay and, you know, I have housemates where I live, but I've since moving have met so many like-minded people. And again, it's like I'm you know, I've shifted my lifestyle, you know, still doing some similar things that I was doing in, in Melbourne, but it looks a little different. And then when you are living in alignment with yourself, you meet people that are in the same place. So I've only been there seven months, but I've met lots of, you know, really great people, made great friends. And I look around and I'm like, oh, these people are kind of very similar to me. Um, and it's a nice reminder of like when you are living in alignment, it's like, then you attract similar people. You become um, them in a lot of ways too. You assimilate their values and their tendencies. Yeah. So you got to be very careful about who you surround yourself with. Totally. Um, and I, you know, I remember seeing that in Melbourne a lot when I had my studio and I could tell mm-hmm. as soon as someone walked in the door whether they were going to like like my style of yoga or be, a, you know, a good fit for the studio. And nine times out of ten, it was like the people that were walking in already were like the, I would say the right fit or they, they aligned um, because even just to walk into my studio, I didn't have great signage. You had to have like heard about me from someone or some like a, a referral from someone like, Oh yeah, go to the studio down the street. Like I, the classes are really great. Like it wasn't necessarily put in people's um and face people's faces but a lot of people that came through the door became some of my best friends um because it was like I at that time I was living in alignment with my alignment with myself and you know then things shift and then I moved and things changed but it was like everyone that came in felt like a reflection of me at that time I hear this and it's like surround yourself with like-minded people right it makes you feel good so it feels like you're on the right path you, you, you have a tri- you have like a community, a tribe, right? But I'm the butt guy, right? The devil's advocate guy. I'm like, I think it's why this is good podcast is because you can, you can conversate and you can find ideas that uh, are conflicting or where you, there's friction, which is good. And so I'm just, if we, because I agree with it, like surround yourself with like-minded people. If we keep doing that, how do we know when we're wrong? So I'm going to go back a little bit. Like what I feel like is it, it's not necessarily – it's almost like for me it feels like like attracts like and 
So it's like certain people come into your life at certain times because it's like you're vibrating on a similar level. You have similar values. And so these people come into your life at a certain period of time. It doesn't mean they'll always stay in your life. And I'm certainly realizing some of those things, you know, over this last year. Sure. Um, and so there are the people that will stay because you have similar values and you can grow and keep learning and, and you evolve. Like I'm a different person to I was seven months ago, 12 months ago. I'm sure you're a different person now than you were earlier this year or last year. Um, and so like we're always evolving and we're always growing. And so I think you meet people where you're at. And my biggest learnings have been in relationships. It's like, you know, with my ex it's like we met each other where we're at and like there's a reason it didn't last because we evolved and went in different directions um and so I think if you look at probably your friends or the people that you value in your life it's probably because they have similar values and but they might not have been in your life five years ago and they might not be in your life five years from now or maybe they they will be um but at least what I've experienced is that these people are kind of organically showing up. It's not like I'm trying to like surround myself with people that are like-minded. Mm. It's like, you know, I've met people through yoga or through surfing or through, or through friends and it's, it's happening organically and you turn around and you're like, oh, these people are living a very similar life. So then we can support each other. We can inspire each other. You can you know, help each other like at the stage that you're at because you're on the same page. doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just where you're at at this time. And I think you're always evolving in some way. Mm, okay. I like what you said when you don't necessarily intentionally try and even find those people. They just like come into your life. Like kind of how we met. Yeah. I mean, you, you intended for someone to come in there. I didn't know who it was going right? to be. Right. You know, we'd, end up being here so many years later. What's something you used to, speaking of wrong, what's something you used to really think, really believe was correct and the truth that you later learned you were wrong about? I don't know whether it's wrong, but my dad used to say to me, you know, you need to work smarter, not harder. And I think I've already mentioned it. You did, yeah, very briefly, yeah. but let's go. Um, because I resonated with, like, I love what I do, so I don't work. Like, I would always say, like, I don't really have a job because, like, I teach yoga and I get to hang out with people that I genuinely want to hang out with. Mm. I get to share some things that I'm really passionate about that I'll equally, and I do this all the time, will chat to a random person and help them with that without getting any money or anything. Like, you know, I had met someone surfing and she was talking about her sore wrist and I've had a similar thing. And so I, you know, gave her some advice. I had a similar chat at a cafe. And so I would happily talk about this stuff anyway. I don't need to get paid for it. And so I always... Good, because I'm not paying you for this podcast. (laughs) Great. I don't want your money. (laughs) He said he was going to (laughs) pay. I lied. That's what I do with all my guests. Just the high profile ones you pay as well. <laughs> That's why I get 50 cent on next week. $100,000. <laughs> Woo. Um, 
And so I always like was like, well, I don't work. I do what I love. I get to share what I um, what I love, and I'm like, I'm happy to work hard. Like there'd be times where I was running a teacher training that I'd be teaching from like you know, eight in the morning till 6 p.m. at night. And I'm like, cool, like I do what I love. This is great. I'm happy to do this all day. Um, But I didn't value like stop because I was always like a yes person, like, oh, you know, someone's sick. Can you cover that class? Yes, I can cover that class. Or do you want to come and run a workshop here next weekend? Yes, I can do that because like I love what I do, all of that. Um, And now I'm like actually I can still do what I love but I can also do it in a smarter way like you don't have to be on like 24 7 not that I was on 24 7 but you don't have to be on all of the time to still be successful whatever successful is to still be productive to still have an impact to live a really comfortable life to feel like you're adding value and so now I want to embrace that, like, let's learn from people that have done this in a smarter way. What's ways that I can still, like, tick the boxes of, like, am I having an impact? Am I getting to share what I love? Am I, you know, making a positive change in people's lives? Am I, you know, feeling like I've got a purpose? And can I do all of that but do it in a way that is is smarter? I don't need to, like, like, hustle as much all the time. And for sometimes not too much reward, sometimes there was more reward, but can I do it in a smarter way so that I can explore all those areas of my life that I want to explore? What's more important, working harder or working smarter? Right at this moment, working smarter. And in general, for human species? As in, like, for everyone? Am I speaking for everyone? Yes, you are king, (laughs) queen, god. What's that book called? So if we look at the world, a lot of people are stressed, they're tired, they're run down, they're fatigued, they have all these health problems and a lot of people are grinding, they're working really hard. I think if people worked smarter, Mm -hmm. then I think people would be happier, they would be healthier and there would be less chaos in the world, like – People don't even stop to have a conversation with someone. People barely look up at you if you cross them in the street and look up and smile. People like barely like you could be talking to someone and they can barely even give you eye contact because of the stress and anxiety that's going on for them with whatever they're dealing with. I'm really interested in people who can't maintain eye contact. I've noticed I know of people who I won't mention where some they'll have such aggressive um, Elliot Hulse calls neurotic holding patterns, like these holding patterns from maybe past trauma or, or a lot of shame. I think what I've heard and read is that um, not maintaining eye gaze has to potentially do with a lot of self-shame and judgment, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting. Like where does that come from? Um, I think trauma is like often used, like some people can see this word as some like hippie word. It's very strange to me to even to think like that because it's it's pain it's suffering like trauma is we've all most people have a version of it it just reveals itself differently my point is eye contact eye gaze i know one person who it's like they're looking at you 
but they're not. Their eye gaze is down and constantly blinking rapidly, constantly blinking rapidly, like trying to, you know, if, if you're watching on camera, you can kind of see what I'm doing, like, like trying to, you know, look up, but never, you can never really see their pupils. Um, and I'm like, huh, what happened there? Mm. You're not born like that. Well, unless you have some type of neurological condition. What happened there? Have you ever seen people like that? I think I know what you're talking about and I, I feel like what I associate that with, it seems like a nervousness. Mm. Um, and what I've just, because I love human psychology and like body language and all of that. So what I've noticed in what I've observed since coming back to Melbourne is people are really struggling to like have a conversation and just have eye contact and it's normal for you to like look up or like sometimes when you're thinking like I think it's even I forget which side yeah I forget yeah it's because one side is like if you're tapping into information the other side's lying very good yeah but I I never remember which ones to my recollection top left is the remembering thought okay yeah remembering memory yeah go on there yeah so I've noticed that people's like their eyes are darting everywhere and I'm uh, part of me is like okay, like, what is that? Is it... What's is, wrong with you? No, no, but not even like that, but like kind of like at a deeper level, like what, mm. what's going on for people? Sure. Is it because they struggle with like having a, a conversation and is it a confidence thing? Is it a, a focus thing? Or everyone's been in lockdowns and yeah. so they've been in this little bubble and then they now are outside and I was, you know, in Melbourne the other night and there was people everywhere. It was like... Crazy. Like it had that, you know, buzz of Melbourne, but it's also a lot for people's senses. So is it that their mind is like, it's all like, is it overwhelm or is it a confidence thing or is it a stress thing or right. is it an anxiety thing? I, I'm not, not sure exactly, but it's something that I've noticed and I'm like, yeah, is it because of what everyone's been through? Is it their own personal stuff? Well, particularly now in the last six to 12 months, like I, I, that, that adds a huge that context is very important. It probably mm. muddles up like what it actually is. Mm. But yeah, I've heard that from clients of mine. I've heard that from, I see that. I felt a version of it myself, which is quite strange. I'm like, huh, don't usually feel this. Mm. Interesting. Mm. And then more exposure, just like anything, it goes away. Mm. Uh, usually. But uh, to backtrack, your dad works smart. Is that the thing you used to kind of be on this work hard principle now you're learning work smart what's something i'm very interested in this and it's something i've resonated with over the last couple of years with how do we develop really smart systems within business within personal life to to delegate and eliminate like you are thinking about in your life what can you delegate and eliminate that you don't need anymore so what have you thought about that for you working smart what is working smarter in your life now look like and what does it look like in an ideal world money doesn't money's not a question mm. and so this is a transition for me so it's certainly like I haven't got it all figured out because it's now about the implementation part of it so i would say it's definitely a work in progress and it's going to be a change from what i was doing because before it was like work harder and that's what you do you just work harder and you do I did a lot of things myself. I definitely got some help from people and people like you that were really helpful. And But I definitely struggled to seek out getting help from people. So the, the delegation part, because, you know, as a small business owner, when you don't always have like big amounts of money coming in, 
it sort of can feel challenging to go, I'm going to outsource this and pay for someone. But it is that balance of like, okay, maybe you pay someone to do that, but then you have that time which could be better used elsewhere. Um, So for me at this stage, it's like, all right, can I invest in some more of the delegation? So, you know, get people to do the things that I'm not very good at or that I'm not very efficient at. And all of it really is like the tech side of things for me. Videographer, editing. Yeah. So I've got like the equipment to do the video, like the videography, but then the editing and the uploading and distribution. yeah, Yeah. Got it. And all of that because sure I can do some basic editing, but the time it would take me to do that would be, I'd be better off like churning out more content and like filming and and doing all of that. Cause I've got, you know, the setup and I can do that, but doing the editing and doing like the fine tuning and all of that, my, my brain gets a little more frazzled doing that. And it actually takes me more energy. Whereas I could like teach three yoga classes in the time that I could probably edit one video. Well then, to me, that's how you rationalize and justify it. Like in that time you're saving, you then go, okay, I'm going to use that time to, to make money and help people elsewhere. Mm. And you also got, essentially you have to bite a bullet and you realize you're investing in future Amelia. Mm. You are taking a short-term hit so you can have a long-term greater return on investment. So then that short-term hit pays you back in dividends. By That's what I'm doing now. And by investing in that person, paying them a retainer, I don't know, uh, one, two, three hundred dollars a week, you now solve a really important problem that doesn't pay you back now because we want that instant gratification, mm-hmm. right? You want the sugar hit now. Yeah. Now you're gonna have to wait. We're yeah. gonna have to wait yeah. because, oh man, it's happening to me right now. I on YouTube, I some. I love books. I summarize these books. One is called The 48 Laws of Power. I had no idea. 40 what? The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. It's a very popular book, New York Times bestseller, but everyone's got a New York Times bestseller now. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, Very profound book on human behavior, understanding the dynamics of... um, It's very interesting because it tells uh, how people behave through history. through lessons, stories, fables, through history and certain laws and principles that we're all capable of doing so you don't get caught out and be manipulated by the people. You understand the game of life, if you will. Point is, summarize that book because I loved it. It really was profound to me, really taught me a lot. And I spent, hundreds, I don't know, hundreds of hours doing it. And I put it out there and I have like almost no one following me and I do it and eventually that series not now but in i did that in 2015 oh wow right i was a kid (laughs) and you should see the types of things people be commenting and how profound they found my interpretation and what i did here i don't really i feel like a robot sometimes it doesn't really hit me so i don't really yeah i just i thank them if i can see it if i have time but anyway Later, these videos have amassed hundreds of thousands of views, right? Never had any intention. And like most are, are nearly that or coming towards that. And every now and again, they'll just one will pop up and I'll just be like, it's like 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, like years and years later, had no intention of doing that, 
and other book summaries and other videos have done that. Even on um, the, the other media company we did, Jungle Beats Media, where we reviewed music, like same thing. Like there'll be this, these ones that just pop, right? And guess what? That doesn't just get you influence and leverage. It, it makes you money. So I had no intention of making thousands of dollars from videos, but it happened. Later. Mm. On the back end. You have to be patient. Years later. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. 2015. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So six, seven years I've been doing that. And then eventually, you know, who knows what will happen in the future. But if I end up getting you into a position where that keeps going and exponential growth begins and we're sitting here and this maybe is much more popular. I don't know. don't care. Try not to think about it. But if it is, they'll call you an overnight success and they're going to miss that. Mm. They're going to miss all the stuff that came before it. It's going to look like an overnight success. It was really a tipping point. Mm. So that delegation and investment priceless could have some pretty valuable equity and return Mm. on the back end next year yeah next month and i think that's the the biggest reminder for myself is yeah it's like what you said before invest in future amelia and and just remember that like your time is so valuable and like what would take me five hours might take someone five minutes and they can churn through that, that stuff so quickly. Do you have an out? You do. Maybe you don't want to say it. It doesn't matter if you do or don't. You have an hourly rate that you charge. Yeah. Right? Do the math. Yeah. Yeah. Is that time you spent editing worth what you could make or how much you just value your own time? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like doing something – like the tech side of it, like the editing is going to make almost like take my energy. Whereas teaching gives me energy. So then I could do twice as much of that three times, four times the amount of that and like finish my day and feel like good. Whereas like sitting and doing the editing stuff, I'd probably feel like, okay, all right, I got through one video or whatever. And it's endless too. Cause you'll keep creating content. Yeah. Cause that's the game. Yeah. So, so I need to find a new editor. <laughs> There's a lot out there, but yeah. you know it. That's a problem you need to solve. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Is there anything else on your mind? Anything, anything else, else on my mind that you've been ruminating on or realizing or that you wanted to talk about? I don't know. I think I shared definitely some things, like some big things that were there. Um, I wanted to ask: Did you do any? Before you did ayahuasca, was that your first experience with drugs or did you do other substances beforehand as a gateway to get you there? Because that's, that's a curiosity of mine that, hmm, someone wanted to go there. Should they go there first? Would you recommend other compounds mm. first? Great question. And this is like would be the first time I'm saying this in a public setting and I've already talked about ayahuasca, so I'm happy to like elaborate Mm. so a lot of people had said to me like you know ayahuasca is like this it's big it's it's full on it's you know like it's not a a walk in the park and it's not something you should go in too lightly um so you want to be in the right like mindset and the right you know state of body and mind to to jump into this but also part of that 
for people could be, you know, trying some other things that aren't as big as ayahuasca. So it could be to take mushrooms and in that kind of ceremonial way, not in like a party drug way, but like, you know, mushrooms can, you know, take people on a journey that can bring up things, you know, from their past or help them process things that they've been through. Or for some people it's creativity or it can, you know, be different for different people. And some people also said maybe LSD could be something or, you know, so I did get told to maybe work up to it. The person that I am was like, look, I I really want to do ayahuasca. It was something that like I was drawn to because of the things I'd heard, because of the transformation it had in people's lives. And I, so I kind of like bypassed those things and went straight Straight to go. Yeah. Do not yeah. collect your dollars. Yeah. Okay, good to know. I'm not to say that's not to say that's the way to do it. That's your way. Yeah. So Okay. Interesting. Good to know. Are you afraid of death? I would say I would have been more so. Now I don't know, I think ayahuasca it definitely has had something to do with it. Um or dying. I think is more of a tangible word because death you don't you don't no one knows what it is to die because you're dead. Yeah. But we see people who are dying. Mm. Do you think about that? Um maybe a little bit and I think this is part of like my like my own personal goal and mission is to be the healthiest version of myself and to be someone that like does like to you know, and I'm not certainly not perfect, but to treat my body more like a temple is because I do, I want to like live out my years in the, the healthiest, most um, productive, youthful way as I can. So I want to be doing handstands when I'm 90. I don't want to be in a, in, in a wheelchair. I don't want to be like hobbling around in, in pain and, and, you know, certain things happen to certain people and, and that's life. But Part of my goals is to like is to continue to look after my body and to continue to be as you know as healthy as I can, so that I I do get to to live my life, and you know who knows what happens, you know whenever it does. But I would love to be in the best shape for as long as I can, so that I don't like one thing that I, I really struggle with is when people. Even my age, I'm 36, when they're like, oh, well, I'm getting older and so that's why my back hurts or I'm getting oh, – I know, I can see your eyes twitching. Oh, like, you can see that? What the hell? Oh, that was pretty good. I tried to keep it together. Nah, you're good. I, yeah. Damn. Because you're like, you see my what, brain ticking what, over. Yeah, I know. I was I ready to punch him in square in the face. Yeah, and so – like already I hear it at, and I'm 36 and people are like, oh, well, you know, I wake up and I'm a bit stiffer and tighter. And sure, like you age and things evolve and your lifestyle hopefully evolves with it and and all of that. But I I already hear that from people I consider young. Like I, I'm 36, I feel 26, I, I, f- I feel young. And then, okay, then you add in another like 10 or 20 years and then you speak to other people like, oh, well, like I can't do that now and I can't do this now. And, you know, I love my mum, but there's certainly things that she can't do now because of, you know, where her state of health is. And I don't don't want to put myself in that 
like situation because why would I want to take away things from my life? Why would I want to take away the ability to surf? Or I had a 70-year-old lady in my yoga class the other day and I did what I think a lot of people do. I did judge her and I feel bad for it. So what I said to her was when she came into my class, I, I knew what I was planning on doing and it was, you know, and Amelia, let's get a little bit crazy in our yoga class. And I said, you know, feel free to skip as much of it as you like and, you know, you can rest, you can modify. Individually told her. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Because I hadn't met this lady before. It was one of the lady's mums. She brought her into class and, you know, I saw that she was an older woman. She looked like a fit older woman, but she was like, you know, I'm 70-something and, you know, I've done yoga before. Um, But I... I, I really wanted to let her know that don't feel pressure to do everything we're going to do because we're about to get into inversions and get upside down. I was just about to start teaching and I saw her in an L-sit and I was like, Amelia. What, prepping? She was doing an L-sit for, as like a warm-up. She, yeah, she was just there doing an <laughs> L-sit and I was like, don't judge a book by its cover. You don't know what people are capable of. Yeah, it's true. And give them the opportunity. And obviously I was just letting her know, like essentially do what you want to do, which is like, you know, a nice part of yoga. It's like you don't have to do any yeah. of this. It's up to you. You take your own journey. But I had in my head thought she's 70 something. She's probably not going to be able to do this. I'm about to teach pincher a forearm balance and that might not be appropriate for her. But as soon as I saw her do an L-sit, I was like, she's all good. <laughs> and I even said that to her. I was like, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> and she was. And That's great. she came up to me at the end and thanked me and she said, that was a, an amazing class. And it's also like once I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm not going to hold back with her. I'm going to give her the opportunity to explore. And she was upside down like everyone else. Beautiful. Um, Just shows you what, what we are capable of. Yeah. And, you know, every decision we make is either an investment in our future self or a liability mm. for our future self. Mm. And so, unfortunately, those people, you know, bad things happen, like bad luck for some people, absolutely, genetics, whatever. But outside of that, like some people just make really shitty investments in themselves mm. and they don't think about, you know, that's, you know how like you see a 50-year-old person or 80-year-old person? That's probably going to be you. But we don't identify, we don't, a lot of people can't see themselves and identify as a future self, mm. right? It's a thing I think psychologists talk about, maybe Kelly McGonigal, um, that how well can you identify with a future version of yourself and that how well you can will actually be a predisposition for do you make disciplined long-term decisions or do you cave more to the craving in the moment. Mm. I find that very interesting because the 40-year-old version is you too, but we just don't really connect with it. Yeah, we can't see ourselves in those shoes yet. And those who do a better job of seeing that future version of themselves generally make better long-term decisions than those who don't. Mm. It's like, I don't know if you've seen the image um, and maybe because it's in the yoga world, maybe you haven't or maybe you have, but there's this image floating around on the internet of this older woman, maybe she's in her 80s, 90s, who knows, and she's got her leg up a pole. So it looks like she's doing like splits up, like up a pole. Um, but it's like that image of like, yes, she's older and you wouldn't expect to see that. I think she's in like some like fluoro, like track pant kind of, 
um, outfit. But I see that and I, I see myself in that. And nice. like I want to be that older woman who's being a bit weird on the street with her leg up the pole like she's doing the splits and that, yeah, like she's older but she's not letting like her age get in the way of like doing whatever she wants to do. And a lot of that is dependent on your actions way before that. Mm. Every day. Mm. What are you doing consistently? Your habits. Yeah. Speaking of old people or elderly people, what do you think to finish off? It's a hard one to really conceptualize, but what do you think that version, that 70 year old, 60 version, 60 year old version of yourself, you're going to reach that age most likely. What does she tell you if she's here? You go on a trip and then you can speak to her. So she's telling me this now? She's telling you this now. She's coming to you from the future through an ayahuasca trip. (laughs) What is she telling you? She's telling me to not get in my own way. Get Get out of your way. So like if I'm holding myself back and I've been playing with this just in my head just in this last few days of like if I didn't care what someone would think, what would I do? Like if I was not worried about the repercussion, what would I do? If I was not worried about looking silly, what would I do? Like get out of your own way and what would you do if you weren't in your own way, you were just doing exactly what you want. And I played with this just yesterday in like just a really small way and it was like, I'd just been to the Elwood outdoor training area and I was wearing like leggings and a crop top and like, you know, everyone's there. It was hot. Like you kind of like take off some layers, but my normal self or like the self that I would usually be would be like, you know, make sure you like you put your top back on if you're going to go down the street and like go into a shop or whatever. But I consciously said to myself, if I didn't really give a shit about what anyone thought, would I put my top back on or is it, it's hot? Like, can't I just wear what I'm wearing and that's totally fine? So I went, all right, I'm not going to put my top back on because I am hot right now. I've just been out in the sun for two hours and training and I want to go get a smoothie. And so I'm just going to wear my crop top and my leggings and I don't need to put my T-shirt or my singlet back on. Mm. Um, and that's just a really small example because it could be so much bigger and so much more profound than that. I think that is profound but because that's how you that, – it's an expression of how you do anything. Yeah, it's like just those little actions. Yeah. If, those, if you could get out of your way and all the little actions, that would probably lead to other things. I like that. I think it's a good place to finish. So thank you, 70-year-old Amelia. I'll take that's that. That's a good tip, 70-year-old Amelia. You're a very wise woman. <laughs> uh, Any last thoughts? Thank you for sending me a message because I really love – the the sporadicness that then also yeah like works out as like this beautiful timing right so thank you you're welcome I'm glad we can do this again yeah. and we'll do it again yeah. and again until you're seventy great <laughs> <laughs> done um, if people want to see this thirty seven year old version of Emil yes thirty six thirty six sorry <laughs> sorry they want to see this version and want to see more, where do you point them? Um, social media is probably the easiest way. So Instagram, access yoga underscore, things are going to change a little bit, but for now, who knows when this will be released. But 
if you look up axis, you'll A X I S. We're going beyond yoga. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is originally you talked about to me a couple of years ago. Yeah. Originally it was starting like just axis all these branches, I think. Yeah. You can call it axis. Yeah. It. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's funny how sometimes things take a little while to actually turn into the physical, but um yeah, I just think it feels very fitting right now to be, go beyond yoga. Good. There's more to life. Yeah. Much, much more as you're expanding and we're finding out. Totally. Yeah. All right. Um, Facebook, same same thing, access yoga, but it may end up just being access. Watch out, chimps. <laughs> Watch out. She's coming. <gasps> See Peace ya. out.